Bruchim Haboyim B'Shem Hashem Berachnuchim Ves Hashem. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Lil Nishmas Shimon Ben Yitzchok Mashabas Yitzchok. The memory of two different souls, two different people, as we said before, they are not related, although they're both their fathers were Yitzchok. This week is Pasha Vayeshev. Vayeshev Yaakov. Yaakov technically wanted to settle down. Today is Chof Kislev, the second half of Yutes Chof Kislev, the two days that we celebrate the freedom and liberation of the Alter Rebbe. Shabbos is Shabbos Mevarchim HaChidish. We're going to bench the new month. We're going to bless the new month. And next Shabbos, Mevarchim HaShem, Mevarchim HaTavu, Birish Chidish. When the Alter Rebbe was asked by somebody for a th- certain amount of things, Al-Tarebbe said, people want to know, you always ask what you want, you don't ask what's wanted from you. How do I know what's wanted from me? You don't. You ask, what's wanted from me? What's required from me? What do I need to give? What do I need to do? What do I need to devote what dedications, what devotions do I need to put into life in America the Havdol Elf of Havdolas they would say do not ask what you could do, what the country could do for you what you could do for the country how does that work, how does that go how does it float Vayeshev Yaakov. Yaakov wanted to settle down. He'd been through the rigmarole. He'd been through the, the ringer, as we say it. He experienced an Esav. He experienced a Lovon. He's just about had it to the kazoo, as Americans would say. Couldn't handle it anymore. Just couldn't handle it. It was overdue. wanted to settle down let me sit and study Torah let me sit and relax well <coughs> Chazal tell us the sages tell us Bikish Yaakov Leshev B'Shalva Yaakov wanted to settle Calm and peace and relax. Kofetzalov, Regzei Shal Yesef. It was jumped upon him, the anger of Yesef. Doesn't mean the anger of Yesef, but the situation that Yesef was now put through. 
tzaddikim, righteous people, mevakshim leishiv v'shalva, want to settle down and say, I've had enough. Omar HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch says, Leidayim v'tzaddikim, it's not enough for the tzaddikim, mashim esukim lehem leilabo, what they're going to have in the world to come. Elishim mevakshim leishiv v'shalva they want to settle here also in calm and peace, tranquility, joy and happiness. Yet the person would say, rest in peace. Rest in peace is after 120 years we sit and rest. As long as God gives us life, gives us breath, gives us our day, gives us our night, the person needs to persevere. Sorry. The person needs to work and to strive to constantly become better. Yes, we are sometimes dealt a raw hand. We are sometimes given things that don't fit the, the uh, mold of a calm and beautiful, tranquil life. The Dubna Magid always had a muscle for everything. He had an example, a parable for everything. The Dubna Magid said, there was once a poor man mm-hmm. who had nothing. Very poor man, regular, the regular day of the... run-of-the-mill poor man. Nothing in his life. One day, he won the lottery. Won the lottery, he won big. He won big. And he said, he can't live anymore in the dwellings where he lives in the meager existence where he lives, he's going to build a house. And he buys a lot, a plot of land, a nice sized plot, so that he'd have ample place to make rooms for his house, for his children. And he hires contractor and the contractor is told what materials he wants it built out of wants this size that's this that okay contractor went out to get the materials for the building and he asked the man for X amount of money because this is what the materials are going to cost. And the poor man walks by the house, his walks by his plot, and sees everything is delivered, the woods, the stones, the, the marble, the, everything is there. Now if you know anything about construction, you know of course that you don't always use a full sheet of this and a full beam of that and the full uh, stones that have to fit in bricks that have to be fit in you have to cut, you have to chip poor man didn't 
but the contractor did. And he's sitting there and he's cutting up wood and he's chopping, banging away at the stones. And the poor man starts to scream, Michigana, Nadja, what are you doing? I spent a fortune on all this material. Why are you destroying it? I, the contractor saw what kind of Michigana he's dealing with here. He says, Mr. Do me a favor. Keep your money. Keep your job. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God Almighty, sets us up in our life. Do we understand what the life that God is setting us up in, how it works, how it starts, how it finishes? No, we don't. We do know that we'd like it to go our way. Sometimes, in our opinion, there's a hiccup. A hiccup in the life, and we don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to handle it. And we get derailed. We get derailed. We're off on a tangent. We're off somewhere. What do we do? What do we do now? We're lost, we're confused. So we turn to God. And we tell God, Chasasholom, sorry, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for. This is not where I lost my and I don't know where to turn and what to do and how to deal with it. It's too much for me. You dealt me a raw hand. God turns to you and says, oh, you want out? Okay. I'll walk away. I'll leave you to your own devices. I'll leave you to your own life. It's smart as telling the contractor. It's smart as saying to the contractor, 
that I've had enough, that you're doing, you're, you're destroying my stuff, you're destroying my things. That's how smart we are. When we complain to Hashem, Chasushalom, that He's not doing it right, that He's torturing us, that He's punishing us, that He's giving us the raw end of the stick. It's easy to say, as long as you're not Chasushalom going through it. When one goes through it, it's a very, very severe, horrific mark, trauma, whatever you want to call it. And it leaves scars, it leaves pains, it leaves marks. How does one deal with these things? We need to believe Hashem does no bad. And that whatever it is that did happen, it's from Hashem, and therefore it's for the good. It's extremely, extremely difficult. It's a very big, very high madrig, a very high level. But this is what's required of us. This is what's this is what the mission of our life is. Our life mission. And it doesn't end until it ends, till it's over. Till God decides that the neshama has to return. But as long as we're breathing, as long as we are alive, one needs to persevere. One needs to forge ahead. One needs to constantly persist in doing what the best that they can do in the best way, form, or fashion they can perform. Knowing that it's all from God, or for God. So here we quoted the Chazal, we quoted the sages saying that the Tzadikim did not have enough that they're going to get the world to come, they need to rest on this world as well. Simple thing. Yaakov wanted to settle down. And this was not acceptable. It was lacking. So much so that it was borderline a sin for Yaakov. Yaakov was the, amongst the others, amongst the forefathers, he was the most prestigious. Avraham had a Yishmol, Yitzhak had an Esav. Yaakov had Mitasa Shlema, he had all the children with great righteous people. How is it possible 
he should ask for something that's so out of the dimension, out of touch. And Chazal even said to us in this very quote that we saw, quoted the sages before, Tzadikim are requesting to actually settle down in peace and happiness, retirement. So therefore, it's a, it's something that a tzaddik does. <clears throat> Why is that Kaddish Baruch Hu so resentful to it? Let's scrutinize. What is it and why is it? Excuse me, the tzaddikim ask, request to settle down. Are they really looking to go on vacation? A retirement home? An easy way out for the rest of their lives? There's nothing to talk about. It's definite that a tzaddik a proper tzaddik, a real tzaddik. He asks to settle the shalva, tranquility, etc. It's definitely with God's intent. They ask for this shalva, for this rest, this peace, so that they can service God, they can do the serve to serve God in a higher level, in a higher capacity in a better situation. So in that case, if they're looking simply to not have any hiccups and not have anything interrupting, nothing disturbing them, it's actually a great thing. In that case, why is the Kodesh complaining and saying there's not enough for the tzaddikim? They're not getting enough reward. They're looking for more? They're not looking for the way out, a shortcut. They're not looking for something not in this world. In the world to come, they sit there, they have, they derive pleasure from the rays of HaKadosh Baruch Himself, from the rays of God Himself. Here in this world, the stress of the Aveda, the service that He has to do, on the trials and tribulations that He needs to go through, He's asking simply to serve God in a peaceful manner. So the merit, the reward for the tzaddikim it's not a bechina v'avayda it's not a way of just service. The Alter Rebbe we asked the question by Yutas Kislev Fabrengen what is your favorite that part memory, what taught you the most from the story of Yutas Kislev? 
Atarev was arrested, he was in prison, the things that he went through in prison, and then ultimately he was freed, he was liberated, with a clean slate, with glory, etc. So, so much happened from the beginning of the book to the end, the arrest, arrest and liberation of the Altarebbe. What sticks out by you? This is a group of people by a Fabregen. None of them were very young. They all read as children the story. One person came up with a very interesting perception. He says, the Altarebbe suffering at the hands of the antagonists was sent to be they, they trumped up charges and they came to arrest him when they came to arrest him they ushered him out the back door these guys came into the front door they took him out the back door and they wanted to escape the al went to the Chassid Um, went to Shmuel Munkus and he said what do I do should I run away and hide or should I get arrested Shmuel Munkus had a very good sense of humor shall we say and he says to the Altarebbe very straightforward though since you're asking, I'd like you to dissect the situation yourself. Memonav shach, as he says. Tell me either way. If you're a tzaddik and you're a rightful rebbe, what's he to worry about? Should you get arrested? If you're scared because you're not a rebbe and you're not a tzaddik, and you don't know what's going to happen become of you. You deserve to get your bones broken because you caused so many people so much discomfort by teaching them chassidus and teaching them how to behave and how to do mitzvahs behidur and all these other things. And now all of a sudden you're, you're discovering that you're a fraud. So then we need to take care of the fraudster, as they say in America. Tush Al-Treba understood that he needed to be followed up and not run away, but rather face the music. Very profound thought. Again, the al was not asking Lesheves Beshalva. And when the al sat in prison and he was visited by the Magid and the, the Balshama Kodesh, and they told him the reason he's in prison. He asked why. Pachimu, Lama, Farvas. Por que? Why am I sitting in jail? I did no wrong. And they said, because you're spreading the word of Chassidus. He says, okay, I'll stop. If that's what this is, I'll stop. I said, no, my child. Once you've started this, there's no turning back.
once you began this wheel rolling, it's all yours now. You have to go stronger. So the Alter Rebbe was not looking to settle down on, in Aruba and run away from the, the Russians that were looking to kill him, to arrest him and have him killed, as he was taken away in the black wagon, which is the wagon of death. The Alter Rebbe was looking to see what I have to do, where I have to be, and what's, where do I stand. And Shmuel told him, Rebbe, as a Rebbe, you have nothing to fear from these people. And as we see throughout the time in prison, the different questions and stories that were posed to the Alter Rebbe. So here Yaakov wants to settle. He wants to settle down though to do Tere Mitzvahs. So although that's what we find here in our Pasha. The end of his life now he reached a point where he just wanted to settle down. And we see later the Pasuk says and he explains what does it mean Yaakov lived in the land of Mitzrayim 17 years. Sheshvatsayashan in the 17 years were life, were actually Shalva and Menucha for him. He was treated royalty, royally. He had everything that he needed, every amenity was in his, at his disposal. And therefore, he lived a life, he lived a full life there. Therefore, we reach the point Yaakov reaches to the anger, the pain, the torture, this horrific situation. It should never happen to anybody. A punishment to Yaakov and the fact that he requested to sit and to settle down. This wasn't a punishment to him. This is the way that he can fulfill, that his request be fulfilled. And therefore, it's imperative upon us to understand the explanations here. Bikish Yaakov Leshe Bishalva, Yaakov wanted to sit in peace, settle down. But at that very time, he was not fit for it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to pull and to joy and to capitalize on his request. So what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He causes him kafat olav reizesh Yasef. He jumps upon him, the angers of Yasef. And through that, Yaakov was zeche. Yaakov merited to sit peace, tranquility,
and study Tera. So therefore, it was not a punishment. And the explanation, therefore, to this is, and this we understand, and this is how we grasp, and this is how we fill in all the blanks and all the missing pieces. To serve God, sometimes we have to do it through pain. And when one does do it that way, it's a much higher level. When a person overcomes their pains, their troubles, their hurt, and they conquer it, they have a much greater reward for what they've done. When Yaakov wanted to reach this level, of shalva, of peace, of tranquility, he had to go through first the regze of Yosef. All what Yosef brought him down to Egypt, etc. But the fact that he didn't see Yosef for the 20 plus years this was a pain that was not, it was unsurmountable, really. This was not like when he went through with Lovan, when he went through with Esav. And there he simply had to battle, had to conquer. This caused Yaakov this caused Yaakov very great anguish. The fact that he didn't know where Yasef, what happened to Yasef. And the pain was so great that Pirshim and Shkina, the Shkina separated from him. And Davke, the fact that he went through this test, this trial, and he succeeded, he was able to settle in a peaceful, what the blazes, form of life which is in the Bechina of Elam Haba. From here we could learn how important is Tfila, Bakasha for Geula, the request for a Geula, the request for redemption, for the true inner peace. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
misavel etfilosin shel tzadikim yearns for the prayers of the tzadikim of the righteous. So when Yaakovina requested, he begged, he implored to settle in Shalva. Hakadosh Baruch Hu answers us too when we ask to settle with Shalva. We complete through HaKadosh Baruch Hu, immediately and immediately all the requests which ultimately bring the Geula Amit Vashlema Ayyadei Mashiach Tzidkenu So Bikesh Yaakov Lashavaz Bishalva we all want we all want to have peace and quiet and tranquility and live our lives. But if we're doing and we're devoting and dedicating ourselves to the dedications and devotions that are need be, we are paving the road for ourselves to the ultimate good. So although the pain is great, although the pain was great, although some of us are but a shell, we don't know how to accept, we don't know how to embrace the goodness, the kindness, the love that's that's showered upon us. We just don't know how to eat it. We don't know what utensil to use. We don't know what app to use for it. It's so foreign to us, so painfully foreign. Tells us the Teda, Adrab, because you're going through this and because you persevere in spite of this, you will indeed achieve the highest of levels. You will indeed cause and pave your road to Elam Haba, the greatest of places in the world to come. Pasha talks about these horrible events. Yasef going out of the father's house and getting captured by his brothers, being sold and sold again, ending out down in Egypt as a slave. But the Pasha goes a little deeper than that and it finishes off on a very high note, shall we say, and it talks about the dreams again. But this time, Pari's servants, as Yasef finds himself in jail. And Yasef rises to power, to the vice of the king. Yosef symbolizes Maisa. But Yosef symbolizes the bottom line, the entire Jewish nation. As we say in Tehillim, Noye Katsain Yosef. We acted and we were led like the sheep of Yosef. Let's understand 
where in his life things actually ships right. We scrutinize everybody's life, Mehta Let's take apart his a little bit. At home, with Yaakov, Yosef was on a high pedestal. Things were great. He was the most beloved of all the children. And therefore, he got tremendous kiruvim, shall we say, from his father Yaakov. He was treated almost like a spoiled brat. What did what transpired over here? Yaakov studied Torah with him all the time. more than with his other brothers. They would go out in the pasture, in the fields, and Yosef would sit and study Torah with his father. When it comes to Yosef, this era of time was blissful. Physically and spiritually. A tremendous step, a tremendous thing, tremendous level. Joy, blissful, happiness. He had it all going right. This situation brought about his neshama of each and every Jew before it came down. The same situation is brought about by the neshama of every single Jew prior to coming down into this world. prior to their coming into a body and becoming one with a physical mundane world. And it's a long journey. It's a long journey in, the, in that the days of yesteryear the Eden found themselves, as the Neshama found itself, in the highest of high. And now, unfortunately, being dropped into a physical body, a mundane body, That neshama that was taken out from the bottom of the Kisei HaKovit 
and that was of purest of pure. Is there a greater wealth than this? But even afterwards, when it came through the womb of its mother, still in the most blissful situation possible, still in the highest level that could be, sitting and studying the entire Torah with the Malach, And then we see that in Yasef's greatest time of his life, Yosef Hurad Mitzrayma. Yosef was brought down to Egypt, sold as a slave, put into prison as a prisoner, as a lowly prisoner. Everything was stripped from him even his spirituality. A young lad taken away from his study of Terah into the abyss, to the bowels of Egypt, the lowest of any nation. They couldn't get lower in that generation. That's what he was subjected to. This is our neshama coming into this world. It falls from the highest rooftop to the lowest ditch. And its situation now, its standard of light and holiness by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from there it goes into the physical mundane body to a world of falseness a world of decadation and at this point in time he gets involved with all the different taivas and all the different yetzaharas and all the different tests the hardest of possible tests and the pain in which it's subjected to the neshama. And all it does is yearn. My soul is so thirsty for you, God Almighty. But at the end, Nasa Yasef, what happens to Yasef? Becomes a ruler. The ruler of the entire nation of Egypt. Much higher. Then when he was at home, even spiritually he elevated himself. Spiritually, at this point, he was now called Yosef Hatzadik, the righteous one, for he overcame all the tests and trials and tribulations in this dirty, decadent world, in the land of Egypt, and he stood forth righteously. But we say that Yosef Hurad Mitzrayma, he was thrown down. We say in Tilim, Vayerd, Yarda, Yishlit, 
Yed mi yom ad yom. Goes down. Yesef sholat al haro. Yesef was the shlita. Not just hurad. He came down upon. He ruled. And therefore became much higher than he was before. This, my friends, is the mission of the neshama. Of the holy soul. Send down to Mitzrayim the boundaries, the borders within a physical body in this world. And Aliyah to go down with the Yitzhahara, excuse me, on its obligation is to go down with the into a Yitzhahara and to go through all the different tests and convincing, conniving acts of the, of the, of the Yitzhahara. Trying to convince the body and the soul to totally distort the way the want of God is supposed to be. To bring about the light of the of the Teda Mitzvah. And at that point, when one overcomes all these trials and tribulations, and they surface, they bring about their highest and the most inner strengths, they can reach the highest level, way higher than before the Nishama coming down to the goof. So does the person need to be a total Balchuva? The person showing... The person showing and proving that although they were subjected to and although they were put through and although they were knocked down and totally, totally suffocated, not given a breath of fresh air, not given a chance, not given a single moment of peace and tranquility and happiness and joy, not given any love, not given any kindness, not given any courtesies, not given a bed to sleep on, not given a key to a house, whatever it might be. And that person flourishes. And that person comes to surface. And that person starts to sing again starts to rejoice and say, I'm happy with my lot. I'm happy with where I am. I understand that I need to go higher and I understand I need to go further. And although I'm taking baby steps, but being showered now versus what I was given before. It's not fixing the wound. It's only a suture. It's only a few stitches at a time that are patching it up. Whether it be by receiving a magnificent gift, a holy book, or something that's referenced to Torah, Tehillim, or something of the sort. 
and finding joy that's beyond, that knows no bound. A joy that takes them to a level that they never expected they would ever understand or see. Allows them to feel the love of God from a source that they never expected it to come from. And now understands and feels connected this person needs to be bowed down to. This person needs to be revered. This person needs to be put on the highest pedestal. Because this person, though it's only taking baby steps, the older person still has so much to go and so much to travel and so much to do. But if it's the smallest of mitzvahs, trying to keep Shabbos, trying to keep kosher, or for a woman trying to keep tzniyas, They deserve the highest possible level of reward. The Torah then goes into the story of when Yosef's in Mitzrayim and at the end where he's captured, where he's put into jail and he listens to the dreams of the servants. But interestingly, the Pasha takes a commercial break. Literally speaking. And we hear a story of Yehuda. Yehuda marries and has two, three sons, and he marries them off to Tamar, marries the first one off to Tamar, I'm sorry, and he dies, and the second one marries instead because the first one did not father any children, and he dies, and the third one is still too young, so Yehuda says to wait for him. And then the tailor tells us this whole interesting story where Yehuda goes for a walk after his wife passes away and finds Tamar dressed up in a way that he did not recognize her, but also dressed up in the way of the wayward woman, Rahman al Islam. And the whole happening, what happens between Yehuda and Tamar? And then they find out that after three months they find out that Tamar is indeed pregnant. And they come to tell Yehuda, Zonsa Tamar Kaloscha, she went and she sinned. And she's even pregnant from this. And Yehuda says, take her out, take her out and burn her. Rashi explains, she was the daughter of Shem, Shem and Aver. And Shem was a Koyin. And therefore, if a Bas Koyin sins in such a way, where she's betrothed to a man, but she's not married to the man, but she was still supposed to marry Shela, Shela according to Yehuda. And a Bas Koyin sins with another man, she needs to be burnt. The Ramban asks. Rashi writes this but doesn't explain it. I didn't know this din. Arusa 
the Baskarian only has to have Shreifa if there was a infidelity, act of infidelity, whether she was engaged to be married or betrothed or married. And it says in Pasha's Emer, where it talks about the different Aroyes, Ubas Ishkoyen Kisechel Disnois, a daughter of a Koyen that goes out to give her body up. She is desecrating her father. And therefore, by Ishti Sarif, she should be burnt. And Rashi explains over there that the concept of burning her is only if Tishalil Ayyidez Nus Zikas Bal Vizonsa. She was actually, in any which way, form or fashion, promised or, affili- or uh, given over to a, a different man. But our sages, our sages argue the point. say we all admit we all understand that the tailor is not talking about a woman that is single because by Tamar she was not Zika's Baal She was not married or engaged. So why was she given to be burnt? Mefarshim write, since Tamar was what's called a Shemeres Yovam, as we said before, as far as Yehuda is concerned, she was to marry the third brother. Therefore, she was considered Zika's Baal. And she's not like a single woman. She's not considered a single woman. It's understood this is a very big Kiddush. It's a very big, interesting point to put up, bring up over here. Because she was a Shemeres Yavam, Therefore, was considered znus, and it's if as if she was engaged or married. Mm-hmm. 
More so, it was explained already in several places. According to Rashi, and the way the Pshutta Shemikra, the simple way of the explanation of the Pasuk, Toma was not considered Shemeres Yavim at all. As we see, ultimately, and this is what we derive from this, after all said and done, Yehuda did not say that she has to marry Shayla. He didn't break a plate with her. And he continued with her on his own like a man, like a husband and a wife. In that case, this begs to ask, question comes up over here even if it was clear that Tama was not Zika's Baal this din of burning her in fire was a very big Kiddush it's brought on Emmer because this is after Matan how is it possible that he, before Matan said she be burned? We have to understand clearly, simple. The intention of Rashi is not to make a din of the Bas Ishkoyen Kiseche Liznei's Be'eshes Harif. Because this is only after Matan that a woman that's a married woman, a daughter of a Koyen, is committed has to be burnt. This only happens after Matantera. <coughs> and even then, she has to be dethroned in some which form or fashion. She can't be single. And therefore, this is actually totally, totally given, clarified. Totally given to understand, to be understood. Although the Medish Rabbah on the, on the, right here on, where we're learning brings down the Pasuk of Basish Kayin, Rashi changes from the Medrash and leaves out this Pasuk. Because it's not part of our Indian. It's not part of what we're learning. So the Mepharshim here tell us that the words of the Gemara, the Kim score at home of the Zaralam, the Vavam, the that Bezin shall shame. Well, Gazru al she tells them, the Bezdin, the high courts of shame, that decreed on the improper behavior, and this is therefore why Tamar was, was supposed to be put to death, because she went against this decree, even though that the decree of the Bezdin of Shem was in every woman, not only a Baskayim, the Mepharshim explained to us that if it was just a regular woman in the street, 
they would keep her to a simpler death. Because most deaths of the Bnei Neach were just to be hung. The fact that here that she was destined to be burnt was a much stricter, more stringent death because this was a greater level being a Baskayin. Still missing something here, the pieces. Rashi explains this side thing that Tama was 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 judged to Shreifa, not for any kind of other death. He doesn't mention at all, not even a hint, that this was a general decree of death for any girl, any woman, just live, sleeping around with anybody that's not their husband. Therefore, we have to say that according to the simple explanation of Rashi. There was no decree at the time. And the proof of the matter is, according to the Pasuk, the simple Pasuk, from this thing, it's the story itself, the fact that Tamar went in Pesach in Naim, in Prashas de Rachim, in the eyes, and in the crossroads, in a way, in a form of fashion, that Yehudah saw her and considered her a prostitute, and did not see for Enish of Misa, he did not see that she deserves death for it. Therefore, we understand from that alone that that was not a woman of the night, as we call them, was not decreed to be put to death. In fact, Rashi writes later, when it comes to Dina, that she was also a Pnuya. It's a whole different story of the Arayas, the Mabal, etc., etc. The bottom line is Yaakov Bikish Leshev and therefore just as we see in the dreams the ultimate redemption we find in the dreams how Mashiach is going to come and we find how Yosef's prophecy of his dreams Yaakov was very happy to hear because he understood that this is the light at the end of the tunnel. Therefore, we too should be zeicher to geula mitzvah v'shleima yedei Mashiach tzedkenu and see the ultimate dream of Yosef Atzadik in Yerushalayim where our pages is very Shabbos and the Shabbos for Hanukkah, which we didn't speak about Hanukkah, unfortunately, but the time is short. But may we have a lichtige Hanukkah and see the Menera lit in the Beis Hamidash, Shlishi, Shabbos, Trevach and Hanukkah, and Gutyamtiv, Yutes, Chav Kislev.